0: Frank Miller revolutionary comic Ronin number one. We have looked in depth at Frank Miller interviews talking about this comic recently. Check out that interview. We have also looked at the Frank Miller Ronin artist edition previously. So both of those videos are available, but this is a huge, huge comic personally. And I think in the history of comics, excited to dive into this one. Hello and welcome to YouTube's favorite comic book channel, Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piskor. I want to remind everybody that we have Cartoonist Kayfabe comic book Christmas in July, the last Saturday in July. That is July 29th. And this is the second year in a row that we have done cartoonist kayfabe comic book Christmas in July, where we invite our audience to take some of their best comics, their doubles, their comps, and put them in the little local lending libraries in their neighborhood, then take a picture and share it on social media. We are trying to put comics in front of new readers and we know readers use those little local lending libraries. So stock some good comics in there the last Saturday in July, and let's see if we can't grow some readers. We also have a cartoonist kayfabe Patreon that'll give you access to our videos early And in the case of the King Kayfaber level, you can also sit in on our recording sessions and uh, help us not miss any uh, bits of knowledge as we go through some of these treasures. So speaking of treasures, Ed, Frank Miller's Ronin, uh, one of the books that first contact with Frank Miller as a reader. I tried to pick up The Dark Knight Returns at a flea market dealer. It was way too expensive for me at the time. First printing's over 100 bucks for the four issue run. But I gravitated to the visuals of those covers and I didn't know anything else about it except these look different than everything else. Luckily, it was a good comics dealer, and he said you could try Frank Miller with this book. I uh, can't remember what I paid, but probably two, three bucks, not very much, about cover price. This is from 1983, and it is Miller after Daredevil getting the keys to the kingdom in a lot of ways. A lot of creative freedom was given to him for this book, and in some ways he delivered, in some ways maybe it fell short, but I found it as... One of the most exciting things I had ever seen in my life, bar none. Movies, television, books, anything you wanted to put against it. I had never seen anything like this in my life. I made a giant poster board uh, recreation of this drawing, which it kills me that I don't have that anymore, unfortunately. But I was just struck by what this book looked like compared to the other comics I was reading. And that was it. I started looking for more Frank Miller work wherever I could find it. Found a Dark Knight Returns trade paperback traded Rob Liefeld New Mutants comics for Frank Miller Daredevil comics, like, I was hooked. So, pretty excited to actually go through this first issue with you and kind of, like, imagine, you know, what this is like in 1983 when it comes out. Sure. You can see right off the bat, even the cover looks different than what we were used to. And we've been looking at various historical magazines that cover comics, and they're constantly talking about the price increase of comics. 1983 I think comics were between 40 and 60 cents somewhere in there 250 for this one This was like I say completely revolutionary not totally successful probably for some of those reasons but nevertheless it was Miller allowed to do some things in comics that weren't being done and you can see it on display one of the things he talks about in that previous interview with him is how most of the inking techniques of old comics didn't work anymore once you get good paper and you can see him like I got good paper. What can I do? Let's push the inking, and that's what I responded to as a kid the first time through.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's such a such a bleeding edge comic uh, for Frank Miller, but also for Lynn Varley because she has she could color this Dark Knight style. It's blue line, like she could have done that, but she's figuring out her process along the way. So it is very accurate to say that you just do not get Batman Dark Knight Returns if you don't go through the Ronin boot camp to get there what a, what a workshop
0: you know it feels like this is Miller getting his master's degree in a lot of ways in comics making and really trying some new stuff and I linger on this cover just to show it off because we were looking at it before we hit record and of course you know famously this is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one cover format and in a lot of ways that's the one I think of whenever I think of this format you know it was a knockoff of Ronin In so many ways, but it's also become the much bigger success than Ronin. And so you look back historically, and in many ways, it's the Turtles cover that that means something with this design. (laughs) When you meet the Buddha, you got to kill the Buddha, man. (laughs) I guess so. So let's dive in and uh, get into some of what we have going on. We didn't talk about it much in that Miller interview from Comics interview, but he talked a lot about doing research on samurai just to kind of get a backstory on this main character.
1: Right. But but it really it really is that it falls short. It's just like all the cool, like most brutal stuff. There's there's not really anything cultural in here except for like the the top tier stuff that almost everybody knows. If you just watch a couple of movies.
0: Yeah, it feels like it's um, I don't want to say superficial, but it it definitely is sort of like uh, almost a caricature version of some of this stuff.
1: Superficial is a great way to put it, to be honest. You know, it's not it's not it's not deep. Uh, nor is it designed to be.
0: And it should say, for anybody that doesn't know, a ronin is a masterless samurai, I think is your Webster's Dictionary version of this character. And this is our ronin character from feudal Japan, and this is his uh, his master, who yeah. he's supposed to be protecting. Straight from central casting. And who is being attacked, not by statues in the cemetery, but by evil assassins hiding behind those statues.
1: Got this widescreen view, you know, five, five tiers. And... Uh, that's that's a that's an interesting approach you know other comics didn't look like that so in a lot of ways miller is just doing whatever is opposite in mainstream comics like in this thing
0: and he said in that interview because you would see a little bit of this kind of wider panels in his daredevil that a lot of that was developed the editor denny o'neill had pushed him into like figure out fighting for the daredevil comics this leads miller to lone wolf and cub which wasn't even called Lone Wolf and Cub. There wasn't an English version, but he would pick up those tankobon in Japanese and could follow the stories and the action. And you can see it on these pages, like wearing the influences on the sleeves. Right. But great page and uh, eye movement. Like I was so excited rereading this as you come down the page and then our hero's almost off the page, throw the sword back in. Let's go back in. Keep those directional devices uh, moving with your reading.
1: You got all the weapons from Ninja Turtles. Throughout these comics, so you have your Sai, you have nunchucks, you, you got uh, katana. And our uh, our young samurai
0: gets rid of two of the assassins, but also loses his sword whenever he throws it through the second assassin. So the master's got to get his sword out and uh, save our young samurai from that last assassin. And we watch the master's sword drinks the blood. Yeah. And we get to learn about this sword. It's actually from a demon named Agate, who will be our antagonist in this series. And he explains that that blood keeps the demon at bay, but if you want to kill the demon, you're going to need an innocence blood in that blade.
1: When you see this kind of stuff uh, in the interview that we covered with Jim Salicrup and, and those guys talking to uh, Frank Miller pre-ronin or during Ronin, they mentioned Robert Crumb. Hey, you look at Robert Crumb and if you fuzz out your eyes, man, it just try not to think about the color. Those are robert Crumb type types of strokes but look at what lynn varley's doing here you know she's she's playing with a little modeling and things but really not that much at all like it could almost have just been a baxter paper straight up separated comic in in so many ways like it, it probably didn't have to be you know this deluxe kind of thing because like you're not getting much just because you have some brush strokes there Yeah, I have to
0: imagine, like, how much she gets out of this experience, too, like, seeing this in print and then thinking, like, okay, I can push this further Mm -hmm. if I want to have more painted marks visible. Um, But also, like, doing a lot of these flat colors, it's something that we see when we talk 90s digital comics coloring is that idea of, like, go subtle at first. Let's see how this works. Like, slowly (laughs) start to use the tool and what you can do with it as opposed to, like, the full-on check out all of these bells and whistles. This video is brought to you by the Cartoonist Kayfabe Patreon. There are three different levels to suit all of your needs. At the King Kayfaber top level, you will get access to all of our videos first and earliest to help curb the Kayfabe effect. You'll be the first one in line to buy those books. And at the King Kayfaber level, you get to sit in on our recording sessions. So welcome to the Brain Trust. It is also brought to you by the books that we make. The books that you can get from me include hulk grand design the plain janes and street angel deadliest girl alive these are all available currently in print my upcoming releases include street angel princess of poverty which will collect all of the street angel comics not in street angel deadly Girl alive and true crime funnies my most recent self-published comic book you can get this at my patreon or at my website ed piscor has a big year coming up starting with the hip-hop family tree omnibus coming out this fall You can pre-order that and put your name on a copy now it collects all the hip-hop family tree comics in one handsome volume along with 140 extra pages so reserve that one today x-men grand design all three volumes of x-men grand design will be collected in one trade paperback this fall again pre-order that one today some of these grand designs have gone out of print so this is a way for you to read x-men grand design conveniently And the third season of Red Room Crypto Killers is currently being published. You can get that at your local comic book shop. There are also two trade paperback volumes in print and available for order wherever you buy books and comics. And now back to our video. How about this for your transition as you turn the page? So it's the same composition, but drawn differently and rendered differently as we go into the nighttime now in this uh, feudal kingdom. And Master is taken up by uh I guess I guess they go to a strip club it the looks geishas, like here man They're doing what they do <laughs> earning their pay and he's carrying off the uh the, the dancer into the night but our young samurai is going to stay vigilant outside
1: yeah like they take a good you know seven pages to really paint the picture of of uh the honor and and the responsibility that our young samurai has for for his his master uh, so they take it to three four paces and and uh the, the the master is like relentless oh you don't even like girls yada yada and, and the boy has to be stoic the whole time uh and you know it's supposed to be with the master all the time but even the buds are like listen let, let your master like just be be alone for a little while and of course that's a mistake
0: yeah and we see the mistake here and i believe frank miller lettering sound effect because he does uh the outlines of the word balloons. He doesn't do this traditional lettering and I bet he doesn't do clap, but I think that looks like Miller drawing. The inking is so bizarre. He has this like doodle round inking line and it kind of is in a lot of places. Like all of this panel features it in the building in the architecture as opposed to the cross hatching that we see a lot of as well.
1: Yeah, like he'll, he'll, he'll move away from this and then he'll start to lean heavy into the hatching in, a, like, a Carlos Esquerza kind of way. You know, each issue of Ronin almost looks a little different than the previous. Yeah. And 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 then the last issue of Ronin has Sin City-looking parts, man, with just those deep pools of black and the, a thin kind of rapidograph line.
0: Right. And whenever that scream happens, Samurai runs in to find his master dead, and
1: Agate the Demon says, you know, he just took a sharp finger and poked a little hole in his head. Just look at that, you know? It it really... It doesn't make sense. It's just Miller trying some stuff. The Demon subdues this foolish child. Do you notice, like, how how raw he is? Like, getting way outside the uh, orders with with all the stuff?
0: Yeah. Yeah, this was a comic that I studied quite a bit as a kid, and seeing that kind of, like... I was going to say bleed, but like, you know, scratch through the panel borders was something that I found. It really felt urgent. Like, he's got to be inking that so fast. Yeah, yeah. It's Describe it as hairy. Yeah. There's enough of a ruckus because of the the samurai that everybody else joins in and the demon kind of has to flee, but leaves his mark on the kid, and I feel like that's a pretty iconic image from Ronin number one. And it's something that we're going to uh, use later on in this issue.
1: You know, he was developing that style with that last issue of Daredevil. Right. Where there's all that kind of hatching and stuff. And I think it was um, Terry Austin Mm -hmm. who did the final application. So I'm, I'm thinking like we're seeing Terry Austin influence there because it i mean that style was like so different than what miller was doing with klaus jansen on daredevil before that
0: yeah definitely
1: i love this stuff i was such
0: a fan of this and as a reader this is coming up with like the jim lee and the rob Liefelds, who i see hatching as well oh yeah and i just like the more marks you made the better i liked it these are strange ink lines you know like the diagonal kind of almost almost ugly
1: uh you know scratches yeah it's it's an artistic choice and it would be something to ask him because because it it looks ugly you know it's like 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 why and and i'm not even criticizing it negatively it's just i don't understand it
0: i think reading that interview and comics interview makes me wonder like how much of this is just experiment and R and D. like i can't imagine he and lynn varley doing something that looks like that after this right but it feels like What's it gonna look like? How's it gonna print? What's the paper and the the blue line method like? You know, what are we what are we gonna get out of this? You know, it feels like a lot of this issue. I bet they scooped this thing up when it was printed yeah, and were just, and just like pour, taking pour notes and taught. You know, imagine the conversation they had when this issue came out, like over dinner or whatever, of like, let's break this down. What works? What doesn't? How weird it is? And imagine all the
1: fellow professionals picking this thing up and being like. What the hell is this? Yeah, that's that's pretty much what people say. Like no, nobody, this is. I've never heard this described as like their their favorite Frank Miller work. Right. Now, now we're stepping out of uh, goseki Kojima and into Jean Giraud. Yeah, and we're gonna see this
0: transition of eyes as we go from like one character or one time period to another. The transitions are pretty neat. You know, I see certain Alan Mooreisms and Will Eisnerisms and just this idea of like how do we cross cut from one scene to another, especially across, you know, a thousand years or so. A weird fucking comic, man. Super weird. Super weird. I mean, look, this is Miller finding European cartoonists and Japanese cartoonists and like synthesizing like you know, his mind being blown by these different approaches to making comics. Yeah. So far outside of the norm of what a Marvel DC, if that's what you were used to, both
1: of those influences would have just been like, again, what the hell am I looking at? Yeah. See Lin doing some play. Yes. With those eyes, changing the palette. Now that we're in this cooled antiseptic, this is the color of like hospitals back in that era. You know, like all those gowns and shit would be that kind of mint green.
0: That's so interesting. Cause you think of like, this is high tech, right? Right. This future tech, but we don't have like the Apple white tech kind of
1: yeah, stuff. No, no THX 1138 type tech. It's, it, that's always the funny thing, man. It's always, um, it's always like alien, like where, where it's like chunky wires, machinery.
0: Speaking of machines, we're going to cut from the inside of this high tech lab. To, this is New York City in Frank Miller's future.
1: Yeah, dude. And whenever we get these two-page spreads, that's when he busts out the duotone boards, man. That's what we're getting up here for the atmosphere and shit. And he, and he uses that motif through the entire book, through all five, six issues.
0: I didn't even put it together, but he's drawing like this cross-hatching on the duo shade boards.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So it's really creating that soupy, soupy atmosphere. And then putting Lynn to work, you know, Lynn, give me all of your most diarrhea-ish colors because... It's a dystopian world out there right now.
0: I look at this spread, and I see Vince Locke Dead World. Sure. And I look at this one, and I don't even know what I see. This is so bizarre to me. It, it feels Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles-esque, which of course comes later. And then, you know, combined with that European influence of Mobius with these kind of amorphous shapes for architecture.
1: I think of Akira. That was out.
0: Also playing with like two big spreads as we're transitioning from that opening setting. And now we're going into this apocalyptic future world and two big spreads, something that he gets to play with because of page count and and some of the other differences in this comic compared to the, this is page 18.
1: Yeah. Picture, picture worth a thousand words type shit. Like you don't need one caption to communicate where that is and like what the dire straits of, of that universe.
0: All right, so once we're inside we got to tell them about just how secure this place is because street gangs have been trying to break in and you know it's high tech like everybody wants this especially in a desperate future world these screens of like a computer person yeah a, a voice and intelligence in the computer kind of fun to see like an 8-bit version before we even had that figured out
1: yeah for sure man i mean this this is a uh, he created max headroom basically This was a page that we saw partially done
0: in that comics interview uh kind of surprised by varley's choice of white for that panel i think it works but it makes me wonder if that's what miller had in mind since he did put a border in it you know it's not like it's an open panel
1: no yeah yeah it speaks to the antiseptic like uh, all eyes on him kind of kind of uh gimmick you see some of the green light coming coming off onto our guys there but our dude is basically uh a, a Thanksgiving turkey with a human head on it, man. No arms, no legs. So they're they're uh, dabbling in cybernetics. That's 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 what uh, this facility's about. Yeah,
0: that's exactly what's happening here. And that is kind of the big breakthrough tech-wise. And now we're going to do another transition. Yes. Because he's been dreaming. And uh, he's going to talk to his his robot master about those dreams. And he's going to basically fall asleep and enter that dreamland so you see the cross-hatched eyes as we transition back in time.
1: And And you see, like, this kind of stuff... You see it, you know, like like when you look at it in black and white, like Goseki Kojima, thick with hatching. Mm-hmm. And and that's totally what he's trying to do with this kind of stuff.
0: Oh, yeah. Influence is very clear, center of the page here. Right. So our masterless samurai now has been wandering around for years, developing his skills because he is building to a showdown with his, his long-lost master's demon. He's going to go avenge him, but before he gets there he encounters this this woman who isn't totally innocent but has been kicked out by her husband because this is not his child. Yeah. And then, again, back to these thugs, they're going to have their way with her until our Ronin shows up and saves the day. And you get your manga reference there very, very quickly. Considering the way manga works, it's interesting what Miller gives two two-page spreads to and what he goes through in a couple of panels. Right. You know, if you look at those Lone Wolf and Cubs, this kind of an interaction
1: might be several pages might be a chapter and it's true he's still bound by certain constraints because all of these issues are 47 pages so whatever that is times six like like that's the amount of pages that they were willing to commission and uh the way they work you know like they know that they're jacking you they know that they're juicing you so like you can't say oh i'll just do this extra page for free or something like that they, they just won't do that uh, so he was still bound by stuff. It's really when Sin City comes along that he can really open things up however he wants. But there are still some constraints. This is kind of a
0: fun motif of the dead samurai, The dead master is still talking to him, this time appearing in this fire, but it's very similar to how we see the future computer screen talking heads. Right. You know, from a visual standpoint, almost drawing it the same way. And we get to hear kind of his plan that he's going to go confront Agatha the, uh, the next day. And he does have a plan. The Master reminds him, got a drink of innocent blood, or that sword's useless. First guy he encounters, this guard, a four-armed rat. How much does that feel like, hey, uh, Kevin and, and Peter, check this out. Yeah, Put totally. this in your comic.
1: The only thing that could make it better is if like, each, arm, each hand has a, a different turtle weapon.
0: It would be cool. I love this character and the design, though. Me too. And as they get into the fight, cuts off one of his arms pretty good, but then uh, loses one of his arms. And I just love this kind of... Like the weight and everything you know the one-armed swordsman yeah really really spoke to me
1: yeah it, it really sticks out because there's not much like that in this comic. if there was more like that it would be fun funner to read yeah um we've
0: gone now to this vertical selection of panels and again there was a little bit of this in Daredevil, so not completely new but a contrast from the previous fight scenes that were all the horizontals in this issue uh you know good storyteller let's let's change it up let's give some variety and let's keep us moving through these fights
1: he's thinking he's certainly thinking in spreads yes yeah which would have been a
0: novelty at this time overcomes our rat creature and sets up our showdown there's a lot of ground covered in this first issue and i think that's different than the subsequent five issues as well sure you know like i read this and it was like i gotta get
1: more right but as i read through the series like probably by the time i was done with it i wasn't as impressed it's true like it like it's 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 funny how that works and i'm very interested in going through each issue over time to uh see exactly where it goes off the rails like like what where do we lose the enthusiasm as readers uh maybe we'll be surprised.
0: Yeah, it's true. And continuing this vertical panel piece as we continue through this
1: showdown. But when Agate shows up, it becomes hot color palette. Yeah. Oranges, reds. And there's your innocent blood, right? He copied that. He who, who, he copied off a uh, that one New Mutants comic that yeah. I was reading at yeah, the time. Yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> I was
0: so mad, because I had read this comic way before that New Mutants, and I was so mad whenever I read. I think it's New Mutants 98? I think or it's 100. Like, how can you just copy that spread? And it didn't seem like anybody else cared, or maybe knew it, or whatever. Imagine trying to explain my outrage to my friends who don't even read comics. Oh, I know, I know. (laughs) They weren't interested, Yeah, but I was furious. Uh, Nevertheless, that's his plan for innocent blood is himself. And also, he's thrilled that, you know, he finishes his masterless, he avenges master. You know, that was his whole samurai purpose. But unfortunately, it takes a minute for everybody to die, and a curse is put on him by the demon. Yeah which brings us back to this future, and this guy who's having these dreams and not sure really, like, what does it mean? It seems so vivid. Yeah, our little Thanksgiving turkey with a body, with a head. So, our know-it-all, essentially the internet, our mother box, explains that that sword was found recently and struck with a
1: laser, and long story short, the demon is here. (laughs) He's coming to get it. That's, That's cool, man, that screen with it with the like interlaced lines
0: yeah it's a pretty neat effect like i said whenever we're seeing the flashbacks and there are little images that almost
1: like foreshadow this yeah. you know
0: that that same kind of visual
1: there's style a, there's a ditko aspect to that face right there what Look, do you think
0: it is then it's the eyes i guess it's always the eyes with ditko right there's a lot of ditko in miller and the scar is now opening up on on our face mm-hmm <laughs> Just like the Ronin.
1: Yeah, this is just the weirdest thing. Where where Billy turns into the like like that? That is so far out. Because then what happens to a little turkey body guy? Where'd he go? Right. Well, he becomes the the cybernetic, right? Like he the the limbs and things
0: is is as Billy. Yeah, I don't know actually. Yeah, it's goofy. Demon is making it through everything. Uh, despite the security agent saying, you know, he won't get through this, he won't get through that, Yeah. takes her eyes away as he goes from eagle into crashing whatever this is, some cybernetic womb where uh, Billy is located. And look, we've changed the drawings of Billy again, too. So now we're away from the cross hatching and you start to see some of the marks that we would see in Sin City. It's true. Again, I can't imagine what this is like in 1983.
1: That's so disturbing. <laughs> Poor Billy. Yeah, that's it doesn't just, look too good. That's just awful, man. Like, what's that gimmick in the middle there, dude? <laughs> it's a real John Holmes-type character. That's his umbilical cord.
0: But you see his hands forming. So it is cyber. You know, he is basically becoming a cyborg.
1: Right. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah, that's how the arms and stuff get there. But then he just turns into uh, the Ronin
0: yeah it's true um i love that it's yet again like another visual style right probably heavily influenced by the heavy metal stuff the european stuff because it's mostly line art and then it's
1: give lynn a palette to, to play with and we may mention that like that is just scribbles really cool and i don't think we saw much spatter in comics back then there's a lot here but
0: in that interview miller talks about learning to ink you know on this book and you see him doing a lot of different techniques
1: and the truth is he didn't even learn on this like he did all all these pages and he still it's never found something that that he was like really comfortable with you know what's the next thing we're going to see him do maybe a lecture lives again where he's doing the clear line after getting some influence off jeff darrow you know it's it, it's it takes him it takes him 10 years to 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 learn to ink and the demon likes this future new york
0: he's pretty happy with uh where the sword has brought him meanwhile we're in the sewer as we get our first look at what ronin looks like that's the cover to my tpb
1: it's it's on the floor over there if you want to grab it
0: yeah and this is probably something that a lot of people have seen this version of yeah i think um i don't know when this is from but i feel like this there were a couple editions that had this cover yeah
1: mine is a third printing
0: wasn't that easy to find. Like I said, whenever I got this first issue, it took me a couple of years to track down the entire series. And I think there had been collections at that point, but I didn't see them anywhere. You know, they may have collected it sometime maybe around Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. But didn't sell a lot or sold out of them or something because I did not see Roan in the collection for a long time.
1: Yeah, I will tell you that I, that I did get this at Walden Books. Like, oh, wow. Like at, at Century 3 Mall. Uh, it was one of the very few. They had, you know, a, a shoebox amount of space, right. like that width of uh, books. They did not have Watchmen. Like, I feel like those kind of perennials, they would come and go. Like, when they come in, they disappeared. They did not have Dark Knight Returns. Uh, I remember the uh, the Alien, Mark uh, Nelson collection. I remember Arkham Asylum uh, and, uh, and this was certainly there. Yeah. And you can see capitalizing on Batman, the dark Knight returns. Yeah. And it's so funny. Cause that just meant nothing to me. It was when I start getting a wizard and, and I start like reading interviews where I'm like, man, this dark Knight return sounds important. I better go check that out.
0: Did you buy this on a whim? Like, did you see it in Walden books and go, it looks cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like there was no, there was nothing. I didn't know Frank Miller, uh, in, in any major way. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think it was just, it was just comics. Like it's it a just weird looking comics. book outside yeah.
0: of the context of like Frank Miller and Dark Knight Returns. That is a strange looking book. Yeah, uh, you know, maybe the ninja aspect got me. So this is Ronin number one. I bought it basically as a failed uh, attempt at Dark Knight Returns. Guy sold it to me. I fell in love with it. Yeah, the art just looked totally different, even in the uh, early '90s, than anything I was seeing, and. Um, I don't know if I'd have gotten issue 2 or 3 or something like that that I would have had the same reaction. Because of the ninja stuff, the samurai stuff, this was really easy for me to get into. yeah. And
1: that's not a part of really the the overall book. No, it's true. And uh, I think that with all that I said about the superficiality of of his his samurai master stuff, I think I would have liked it more if he just kept it back in Feudal Japan and none of that Mobius shit. It was my favorite part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like it, it just it just starts to kind of plummet afterward. I'm sure
0: that what I think about this book, too, is so different now because I look at it and I think it's this young guy that's, like, trying yeah. all this stuff, you know, like, puts in his time on Daredevil and then gets a key to something. Yeah. And just runs wild, you know. This is like you gave him the Ferrari to take out for a spin and he went bananas. Um I appreciate that part now. I don't know how successful it is as a narrative for everybody, but as a young artist that's very ambitious, that's what I see and respond to now it, in, in Ronan.
1: Yeah, it drops off. Here's what I remember, man. It drops off when you hit chapter two, but then there's like a steeper plummet by like say issue five or something. Like like it, it drops off pretty pretty far compared to like where we were. from Per, per my recall, recall, it's been a long time since I read this, but we got this channel, there are six issues. We have them. I'm interested in uh, checking them all out. I think it's a really, really important book, uh, creatively, historically,
0: and I don't know if it's always thought of that way. Right. But man, it, it did a lot of stuff for the first
1: time. That's absolutely true, man. Good to go? Yep. Okay, Fabers, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell so that we can notify you when new vids are available cartoonist kayfabe comic book christmas in july is coming to you last saturday in july we're taking all of our comic book doubles we're taking our duplicates we're taking our comp copies and we're stuffing the free little lending libraries in our neighborhoods full of comics uh, to increase comic book awareness and comic book readership the king kayfabers on our patreon get access to all of our videos before anybody else they also are hanging out with us right now in the the uh, live stream chat room where we're streaming our entire recording session. Uh, The videos are brought to you by the books that we make. Hip-Hop Family Tree Omnibus is coming to you this Christmas season coming out in October. We're collecting all four volumes of Hip-Hop Family Tree 140 pages of additional uh, material in here for the 10th anniversary of of the book, uh, the 50th anniversary of hip-hop culture. Not the only holiday effort coming out. X-Men Grand Design Trilogy trade paperback is coming out. Uh, Some volumes are out of print uh, right now. This is going to be your way to get all of X-Men Grand Design in one cheap, handy-dandy format. Red Room is the current focus. Two trade paperbacks of that are out there. Uh, There are two issues of the latest season of Red Room out there right now, Crypto Killers. Uh, Third issue on the way shortly. Uh, Jimmy, what comics do you got going on? Hulk Grand Design, The Plain
0: Janes, and Street Angel Deadly Skrull Live are all available in print right now wherever you buy books or comics. Street Angel Princess of Poverty is my next release. It'll be out this fall from Image Comics and it collects all of the Street Angel comics that are not in Street Angel Deadly Girl Alive. These two books are designed to be a set. So if you have one, get the other. If you don't have them, get them both. They'll look good on your shelf. My latest self-published comic, True Crime Funnies, I have sold out of the print run of this. However, it is still available and you can read it all on patreon.com slash jimrug where you can read it first along with my next comics. You can also download it on my website, jimrug.com, along with several other uh, digital offerings there.
1: There are some other ways to support the Cartoonist k
0: channel. Let the people know, Jimmy. Subscribe to the Cartoonist Cafe newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kfabe t-shirts, merchandise, hats, mugs, stickers, and lots more at our spread shop. That link is also under this video.
1: There you have it. All good ways to support the Cartoonist k channel. Keep the lights on. Keep the vids rocking. Give them those marching orders, Jimmy. We'll be on our way. Read more comics.